electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. Why top strategist Tom Lee is reversing his call on part of the market today, what he calls a big change in direction. He'll join us momentarily to explain all that. The committee, of course, will debate it. Joining me for the hour today, Shannon Sakosha, Degas Wright, Kevin O'Leary, Jim Labenthal, John Najarian. Good to have everybody with us on this Friday. Let's get right to Tom Lee, though. As stocks hit new record highs yet again, there you go, green across the board on this final trading day of the week. Tom, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, Scott. All right. Good to to, see good, it's good to see you, too. When you were on with us a month ago, you downgraded the financials. You double upgraded the FANG stocks. It was a great call. You're reversing it today. Why? Thanks. Um, well, uh, central to that view a month ago was the idea that consensus was expecting rates to push too much, too high. In other words, we thought actual rates would undershoot. Had to do with the idea that inflation expectations were coming down and GDP growth wasn't necessarily accelerating. Now we've, I think, had a growth scare that really peaked yesterday. I think the headline might have been the Tokyo Olympics, but that really pushed the tenure down to 125. And now we think the conditions are set for interest rates to shoot above consensus expectations. In other words, we think rates are drifting higher. That's going to lift basically the entire epicenter complex, which has moved in lockstep with interest rates. Okay. So I hear you. Okay. The problem I have with this call today, Tom, is that you, you yourself say your conviction is only 60 percent. I'm wondering why make a call like that and go public with it if your conviction is only 60 percent. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, You know, number one, we can only be 100 percent sure in the rearview mirror. So I can only be 100 percent sure a month from now. But the reason we think 60 percent is a really good change is, number one, the 10 year yield did bounce off the 200 day. That was an important level to hold. Second, we're pretty confident that there's a lot of pent up demand, revenge, consumer spending and capex, which means GDP growth will be strong. And we know the Fed's going to be supportive. So uh, the idea now that people think rates could undershoot makes us think you want to take to counter trade that. And again, 60 percent is, I think, adequate to make a reversal. You're right. It's a big change to be based on only 60 percent knowledge. But, you know, I, I didn't really want to wait any longer. We wanted to we send out as an intraday because we just felt that was the moment to send out the notice. OK, I understand. Better, better to be early. Right. In, in your in your mind, I guess that, that's how you're thinking of it. You just said that there's a lot of consumer demand. You know what else there's a lot of, Tom? There's a lot of liquidity, right? Yes. So why, why, why do you think rates are going to go up from here if they've come down so far from their peak? Uh, yes, yeah, Scott, that's a great question. I think three things drive interest rate change. You know, one is growth expectations versus consensus. And the second is inflation expectations versus consensus. 
And the third is sort of what you call like interest rate VIX, you know, the, the risk of future changes. And I, I think that there has been a fall in the five-year break-evens, which is why inflation expectations come down, but that's stabilized. I actually think it could start to rise because, again, there is all that liquidity you're talking about. And on the GDP side, even though we've got the Delta variant and people think that poses growth risk, that's what I think is getting priced in now. So I think once we're through the Delta variant scare, which could take several weeks, growth expectations will actually be edging up and that should push rates higher. So you're right. I, I think there's a lot of liquidity, but it may go more into equities because it has been really scary to watch the 10 year fall to one, two, five. I mean, it's been you know, it's been disturbing. It, it has. I'm just I'm just wondering if you look at the let's just say the market action today specifically, um, you know, I'm kind of hard pressed to believe that this tech move that we've seen in the last few weeks is going to reverse itself anytime soon and all of a sudden go back into the epicenter names. Right. Once these big fang plus stocks have gotten a bid. I mean, the trend is your friend and there is momentum behind a lot of these names. Apple being the latest stock in that group to hit a new high, which it just did today. You know yourself, once these things get going a bit, it's hard to break that track. Correct. I'm with you on that, Scott. I I think FANG is going to detach itself from interest rates, meaning they're going to have a great second half, not because rates are going to fall, but because these are great companies that almost did nothing in the first half. So we think if the S&P ends the year up 25 and a lot of these FANGs are up 5 6%, they could be up 20% in the second half. That makes them an overweight. That's why we still want to own FANG, even though we think there's an explosive rally in Epicenter coming. Wow. Um, let's get the gang involved in this conversation, if we could, Tom. Farmer Jim, you're up first. You got something for Tom Lee? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to play off of this Apple commentary, the discussion you guys were just having, because, you know, it's up 20 percent in three months. And when it was back at 120, it was in correction territory. That was the time you were supposed to load up. And I look at the reflation trade right now and whole swaths of it have corrected or more than corrected. Right. Look at the airlines. Those are off more than 10 percent. The financials uh, across the board, more than 10 percent. Isn't this a time that, and Tom, you've been so on this that I think I know your answer. Aren't you just supposed to say, all right, we've been going through rolling corrections. We're going to keep get rolling corrections. Fine, I'll stay with Apple. It sets a new high. It keeps going. But aren't you supposed to pivot to what has corrected recently, namely the reflation trade, and just get big in it? That's right. If, uh, if I was putting on a, a tactical hat and said, okay, well, where is your chance to have really big positive surprise? It's really in groups that have corrected, as you pointed out. And I was looking at everything from the industrials to the financials to the materials to energy. These have had massively deep, uh, scary corrections. It seemed to have moved in lockstep with interest rates. But again, many of these groups found support at the 100-day, and they're still in uptrends, especially groups like energy. So I, I think that as a tactical matter, if you're at the bottom end of a channel and you're in an uptrend, these are things that, that could move 10, even 20 percent in a month. He, he wants you to hold his hand, Tom, and, and make him feel better about his financials trade. The one that he had so yeah. much conviction about yesterday was fighting hey. back with me about. He thinks those <laughs> stocks are going to do so well, even in a low rate environment. That's what this is about. I'm, re, I'm cutting right through Scotty. the you know what to the Scotty. heart of his question. 
Well, Scotty, I, I know, I would, I know yeah. it's just an oversight on your part that you're not congratulating me on Apple and loading up on that in March. And I know, I know that you will come around by the end of the show and say what Jimmy has been <laughs> mm-hmm. saying in the last few days about financials is eerily reminiscent about what he was saying about Apple three months ago. I love you, Judge. I love you. All right, Tom Lee, I, I know you were trying to say something. Oh, I would just say, uh, yeah, I think financials keep up with the market. I mean, they are some of these are really blue chip businesses now. They've really managed through what would have been a, a you know an extinction event last year, and they came out with great balance sheets. I mean, that's true of, of basically most of the S and P. These are unkillable companies. Their multiples will re-rate, and I think maybe in July we get a much you know a broadening of the a market participation. That's a risk on. I mean, I think VIX is really the thing I'm watching, but it could be a risk on period. Interesting. Um, the birthday boy, Kevin O'Leary, is, is with us today, too. Happy birthday, Kev. Thank you. Thank you. What do you think of this uh, call from Tom Lee? I mean, he, he essentially says rates bottomed earlier this week. OK, but I, I guess, Tom, and I'm a fan, but I'm going to push back a little bit here. Basically, what you're telling me, I want to distill the essence of your call, your 60 percent conviction, which I don't really consider conviction. But you're telling me rates are going to go up the back end of the year. And that as a result of that, I should expect P.E. compression because I feel and I believe when we start earnings next week, 80 percent of the S&P that are going to be called out next week on the print are going to beat their already raised estimates. The economy is on fire. The consumer is on fire. GDP growth will be double digit in Q4. So for me to get concerned about your interest rate concern, you're telling me that all of that good news on earnings, which I think drives prices, is going to get compressed. I have to believe in your call it has to be PE compression across the board. False or true? Uh, I mean, generally, I'd agree um, that rising rates could compress PE because it raises the specter of the Fed needing to tighten or being behind the curve. But because we're in an environment where the Delta variant is causing hesitancy, I mean, I think OPEC's decisions reflected that. And I think in earnings, companies are going to say that they, you know, they're going to slow down their double ordering because of the Delta variant or the CapEx could be on hold. That's going to keep the Fed dovish. So we could have drifting higher rates, but PEs expanding because we know the Fed is, is essentially has to pause to see to get some clarity. So I, I think we're in an environment where rates go up and PE actually goes up. So, Shannon, um I think it's fair to say Tom Lee maybe deserves the benefit of the doubt just for the simple fact that if someone's track record is pretty good, we'll say, okay, we're willing to listen to you, even if your own conviction is just 60 percent in making this call. Are you giving Tom Lee the benefit of the doubt? Do you you think this call is going to be correct? I think it may be challenged. And Tom, I think you would agree, you know, we've entered this period of chop. And so if we talk about the epicenter stocks in general, I I do think you need to be selective. And and I go back to a comment, Tom, that you just made about OPEC. Um, I have a lot of concerns about the energy complex over the next several months, um, you know, into the third and fourth quarter, just given the fact that clearly there is a you know, inelegant or ineffective collusion going on at the OPEC level. And then if you couple that with some of these Delta variant concerns and even the overhang or the specter of potentially that this economic growth boom that we're anticipating could take a little bit longer to manifest, you know, how do you marry that with this? You know, are there certain areas of the epicenter that you feel are you're more comfortable with? But I, I know you like energy, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you're still bullish there. Uh, sure. 
And it's true. I think there are a lot of risks out there. I mean, that's one reason why I think the market is going through a growth scare. Um, groups like industrials look really healthy now. I, I think especially if they can close around here because it looks like they're ending a consolidation period, uh, which would be good. On energy, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that when we look at oil and even the sort of the futures curve, they've moved up across the board since the start of the year, somewhere anywhere between $8 all the way up to $15 per barrel, even 10 years out, which means that the, the, the commodities market does believe structurally oil prices are higher, but energy stocks are acting like oil's going down. Compared to 2019, oil's up 14%, OIH is still down 22 That's almost a 40% move just to catch up with oil. So we think Unless the oil futures market is wrong, energy stocks have a lot of catching up to do Tom, you on the said, upside. You said 4,400, right? That was your target. And you said you thought we could hit that in the first half of the year, right, by the middle of the year. And then you were expecting some chop, I think is how you phrased yeah. it at the time, into July. It sounds like you may be growing even more bullish than you were in the past. What, what's your target on where we're going now? By the end of the year, Let, let's just say next six months. Where's the S&P ending this year? Uh, Scott, I, I think that history says strong first halves lead to strong second halves. You know, first half of 2021 might even almost be a top 10 first half ever. If it's up 9%, that's around 4,700. So I think the S&P still has a big move in the second half. It might be a pretty broad rally if interest rates don't act volatile. So I, I think that 60% as it gets higher and as we're only drifting up steadily, I think we could have a, a big rally of even above 4,700. Mm, wow. That, that, that's bullish to say the least. Uh, you're also picking some stocks, right? I mean, we, we usually focus on your broad market calls, but you do have some specific stock calls within your epicenter complex. John Nigerian, you're, you're in Best Buy, right? You're long, you're long those calls. Tom Lee, that's in his list of, say, 15 or so stocks that he thinks you're going to have a nice little run here. Yeah, and um, uh, I still like that one a lot, Scott. Um, Obviously, we're going to be coming into a season where Apple brings out the iPhone 13 or whatever they're going to call it. And uh, that brings up foot traffic to Verizon, T-Mobile and AT&T and, of course, Best Buy and the Apple stores. Um, so I, I, I like that. Uh, and I also like what Tom's talking about with energy, quite frankly, Scott, because um, energy, when I looked at it today, energy was in the last month, and I'm measuring crude oil for that energy right now, Scott. Um, it was up, I think, 12%, and the airlines were down 6 That's a big 18% uh, spread uh, over the last month. And I think energy, even though I'm still bullish on it, probably sort of tops out here. I don't know that we get to 100. I think we keep pushing towards it. But uh, again, it's all about pace. It's about pace with bonds. It's about pace with um, energy as well. If it moderates, and it usually does after the 4th of July peak, um, then we start seeing um, those airlines catching up, both from uh, you know the fact that that big input isn't moving up as fast, and uh, perhaps from them getting more pilots attendance, gate people, and everybody else back to airports. Uh, consumers want it, and it's just a question of getting enough of uh, those other folks back to their jobs to get those airlines really moving and, 
even on a big down day yesterday, Scott, you couldn't really knock uh, American Airlines, Delta, or United down that hard. And they all came back pretty fast today. Yeah, Tom's got some Airlines, Delta, uh, Jimmy's Alaska is on his list, JetBlue, Southwest. Degas, you're in the epicenter of Tom Lee's epicenter. Um, Best Buy, (laughs) MGM, Hilton, Southwest, EOG, those are all Mm -hmm. on Tom's list of stocks he thinks you need to focus on if he's going to be right that rates are going to start moving higher and there's going to be a bit of a reversal in part of that trade. Scott, exactly. And we believe that we're going to get that recovery. That refreshing trade will continue to work because what we're really seeing is that we're liking the position of the Federal Reserve. And it it reminds me of um, a quote by um, General MacArthur that said that a true leader has confidence to be alone and also the courage to uh, move on and then also the um, compassion to meet the needs of others. And what we see with the Federal Reserve is that the, uh, the Fed Chair, Powell, he's moving in the right direction. He's making very good decisions because a few weeks ago, everyone was saying that he was making the wrong decisions. So we're very supportive of where the Fed is and where we are with the economy. And we're seeing that this refreshing trade will really work going forward. All right. We'll always take an Army guy quoting General MacArthur. That's welcome on the halftime report any day of the week. All right. Tom Lee, my last question to you before I let you run and, and get off to the Hamptons or wherever you're going this weekend. So, OK, 4,700 is where you think we can go on the S&P by the end of the year. But I'm worried, like, OK, well, what happens in August at Jackson Hole? Uh, are, so are you making a call that the Fed doesn't do anything in calendar year 2021? And, and that means taper? Uh, yes, I'm making implicitly a bet that the Fed doesn't negatively surprise the market. So we could be in August where the conditions are appropriate and the market is not going to see it as a negative element for the Fed to taper. But you're right. that There is a lot of uncertainty between now and then. I think we need to really get ro- a robust earnings season underway, the confidence in the growth recovery taking place. And then I think people will want the Fed to, to talk about tapering. Yeah, well, they probably want them to start talking about it now, but we'll see. Tom, I appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. We always enjoy speaking with you. That's Tom Lee, Funstrat, with a, a bit of a reversal call on the market. All right, let's switch the conversation. Tom Lee, Farmer Jim, mentioned earnings starting next week, which, which you've mentioned every week. That's that. I say, Jim, what's the catalyst? What's the next catalyst? And every single time you say earnings, earnings and earnings. So here we are on the doorstep. Yeah, I know. And, and I get what you're implying, because even I feel like I'm being a broken record. But, Scott, I'm going to say it again. I think that's what matters, because the conversation you were just having with him about multiples and, you know, contracting multiples in a uh, rising uh, interest rate environment. OK, maybe that does happen. It makes a lot of sense. Right. But what if earnings are going up faster than we've seen uh, multiples come down? Um, that's happened in some cases already this year, like with Apple, by the way, just to go back to that. But That's really what I'm calling for here is that I I think it's a lock that the second quarter earnings when we get the report are going to be even greater than the 60 percent year over year growth that's implied. Now, you and I both know it's the guidance that matters as, as well. And sure, there will be some talk about supply chain bottlenecks and margin pressures. But the aggregate demand is still there. There's still a lot of that liquidity in the system, which, in addition to finding its way into financial assets, finds its way into the real economy. So 
I'm thinking that some of these stocks that have, have flatlined uh, or even worse over the last two months are going to catch their wind as earnings come out and the guidance is better than expected. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to rain on, on anybody's, you know, happy talk parade or anything, Kevin O'Leary. Mike Wilson over at Morgan Stanley, he he says a 10 to 15 percent correction is coming. I mean, it's going to be a buying opportunity, but he says the market's solidly mid-cycle. And with that, typically comes a 10 to 15 percent index level correction. We expect such a correction will create buying opportunities given a still strong growth backdrop. You think think we're we're setting up for a pullback like that? No, no, that's not the personality of this market. We have seen sectors correct. We've seen stocks correct. We've seen rolling corrections. We've seen, you know, move out of tech, move back into tech, everything in the 5% range. Real corrections are 15 to 20%. And the reason I think we're going to see that in the rest of this calendar year, probably for the quarters into next year as well, is the economy is really doing well. And I think you're going to see evidence of that uh, right through these earnings reports. And I anticipate 80% will beat as if they've been doing on almost every quarter. We're in an extraordinary resurgence at the consumer level now, buoyed by all the liquidity the government provided and the fact that the Fed has been very accommodative and remains that way. And if Tom's right and there's no moves by the Fed to the back end of the year, it sets up for an extraordinary uplift because there's not much competition for equities. I got to deploy capital. I'm trying to make 6% year in, year out. I'm not putting it into a 10-year with a one-two handle on it. That makes no sense. So we don't have competition fixed income from even credits. And so, you know, no, I don't think we're getting a 15% correction. And it makes people feel uneasy. Everybody likes to climb a wall of worry and beg for the correction to get a buying opportunity. That has not been the profile of this market, and it's not going to be. Watch what happens next week. With the exception of financials, which I'm not that bullish on because the interest rates are still too low, Everything else is going to really perform. And that's just the result of good, old-fashioned cash flow. Why? Margins are higher. Productivity is higher. Business travel and expenses are down. All of this is great. S&P is going to kill it. So I've, I feel almost, Degas, like investors are, are, you know, after you listen to Tom Lee and you have a look at where rates have been this week, I, I feel like they're almost in a bit of a conundrum. It's like you're positive on things, but... Well, you know, rates are where they are, you know, 125 earlier in the week. Now we're at 133. They're obviously still low. Nasdaq's getting a big bid. I'm feeling maybe I do want to start loading back up on that growth trade and tech. But then I got Tom Lee saying, well, rates are going to start going back up. You really want to be in the epicenter names. I'm looking at the Bank of America flow show note today. Money moved out of value and into growth this week. It's the third week of outflows from value. Uh, and the, the second week of inflows into tech. So I'm trying to you know, make up my mind as an investor, what am I supposed to do? I look at Degas and he buys NVIDIA, which is you know, off to the races, and, Nvidia, and Adobe. So you're putting your money where your big belief in the market is, and that is in tech. Exactly, uh, Scott. And so what we're looking at is that NVIDIA, for instance, is basically benefit from two trends. One is the demand for chips for cars, computers, and gaming. The second thing is that many companies are moving to the cloud. And with the cloud is the data centers that uses the technology of AI. And so and NVIDIA is leading in that space. So we really like this because we see those trends continuing for NVIDIA. You mentioned Adobe. Adobe is the leader in the market for digital media. And it continues to lead in that market and for, for instance, everyone is moving towards e-signature. 
Well, Adobe has the EchoSign, which is the leading solution in that space. We really like uh, Adobe because of good valuation, profitability, and these uh, tailwinds will continue. I'm looking at NVIDIA right now wondering why you just hadn't bought it earlier. I mean, Josh oh, Brown comes on this show yeah, well, all the Scott, time. He talks about it all the time. Well, Scott, well, Scott, let me share with you. We added to our position on NVIDIA. So we've owned NVIDIA since uh, 2019. So we got in early. Okay. But you're, you're willing to still add more even at these, what some might say, are elevated levels. When, when we look at the valuation and we, we're looking at the uh, free cash flow yield, we're seeing that NVIDIA, at, even at these levels, has a very good free cash flow yield valuation metric that we use. So we're comfortable at these levels with NVIDIA. Let me still, so we're talking tech, let me just go back to Apple for a second, because I, I noted it in passing with Tom Lee that the stock had hit a new all-time high. I'm just pulling it up as we have this conversation here, because I want to look at it uh, in real time, as all of you are looking at it on the TV, of course. Uh, 145.44 was the high in the stock today. Jim Labenthal, you... Help me to help me out. Did you say earlier this week or maybe it was uh, it had to be early this week because last week I wasn't around. You, you think Apple's going to 175 by the end of the end of this year. Is that what you said? Well, so integrity demands that I tell you, I thought it was going to 150 by the end of the year. But that's what I was saying in March when it was 120, 122. So, you know, now I'm looking at it and for everybody's you know public service announcement, when Apple sets a new high, generally it goes a lot higher. Now, the exception to that was the fourth quarter earnings report in late January where it set a new high and then immediately backed off. I think that's the aberration. I think this thing's going to be 150, 150 plus, you know, this month. So I'll tell you what, I'll take your target. Um, you, you can put those words in my mouth. 175, you know what? I'll put it out there. I think it's a reach, but I'll bet we get there. You know, John, this year. John and Jerry, and that's kind of what I was saying to Tom Lee, right? Is, you know, once stocks mm -hmm. like Apple and those big mega cap techs, the Microsofts, new high during the week. Amazon, new high during the week. Alphabet, Facebook, new highs. We're just waiting on Apple. And Apple finally did it. Once you get momentum yeah. in those names, it's hard to crack it. Right. And that momentum continues again today, Scott. Didn't do it for unusual activity, but they're buying the 152.50 calls that expire in two weeks. Uh, it's the 9th of July today, the 23rd of July expiration calls, 152.50. So there's a lot of people thinking that Farmer Jim's right, that this thing's going to be through 150 and perhaps even through 152.50 or so uh, by the end of this month. Uh, I am in that camp. I am a believer. And, uh, you know, if, if we do see an easing somewhere in the summer here, Scott, I would think it would be during the doldrums just after um, the earnings and into the fall when they have that uh, anticipated new phone introduction. All right. Good stuff. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We've got earnings coming up next week, as we said. We've got our call of the day. Big call on a stock owned by someone on the committee today. I'm not going to tell you who because that might give it away. And we have unusual activity with Dr. J. We're back right after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. 
This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back. I'm John Fortney. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. Students and teachers who are fully vaccinated no longer need to wear masks inside schools. That's the new guidance from the CDC. But at the same time, the CDC is not advising schools to require shots, nor is it offering guidance on how to verify teachers and students have been vaccinated. Tonight, the new school guidance, the possible need for COVID booster shots and the Delta variant. Public health expert Dr. Ashish Jha will help make sense of it all on the news at 7 p.m. Eastern. The International Monetary Fund approving a massive $650 billion increase in funding. It's meant to help nations that have become economically vulnerable due to the pandemic. The increase is by far the largest in the organization's history. And Zaila Avant-Garde has won the Scripps National Spelling Bee. The 14-year-old from Harvey, Louisiana, is the first African-American champion in the bee's 96-year history. The winning word, Mariah, which is a type of small tree. Zaila says spelling is a side hobby. She also has three Guinness World Records in dribbling and hopes to play basketball professionally. Back to you. Yeah, as if she didn't have enough talent spelling, she's like uh, an amazing basketball player, too, with those dribbling skills, John. She's incredible. You check her Twitter feed because she won the spelling bee, and then you see this, and you're like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't wait to follow where she goes in her life. John, thank you. Appreciate that. All right, let's talk our call of the day. General Motors initiated outperform at Wedbush. You see why I wasn't going to try and give it away, because if I did, you might know that it's a Jim Labenthal play, and that would give the whole thing away. Price target to 85 bucks. Outperform Wedbush. Yeah, they think they're in great position, yada, 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 yada. All the stuff that you hear from Jim Labenthal all the time. So, Jim... What I want to do with you here is play off the fact that Kramer this morning on Squawk on the Street, they talked about this call, and he said, I'd rather be in Tesla than General Motors. That's a big statement, Jim. He did. He did. Because I, Tesla's come big, down enough, I, he said. But, and he loves Ford, too, by the way. Okay. Not that he dislikes General I know he Motors. Loves Ford. Not that he dislikes General Motors. It's just in the here and now. Yeah. GM's had a move like this. Tesla's, you know, come down a bit. Maybe it's a better place to be. You know, you know, so look, the, the Tesla thing, they're just totally different stocks. I mean, you got one that's trading at eight times earnings. You got another one that's trading at 100 times earnings. And what if, Scott, what if the 100 times earnings comes closer to the eight times earnings? I mean, that's what I think about with Tesla. Great cars, great company. I mean, Elon Musk is Elon Musk, cool as, as heck. But I'm not going to buy that at 100 times. If I bought it, that would be the signal it's going to eight times earnings. However, back to General Motors, you know, look, electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, Mary Barra, and somehow General Motors has the supply of chips that Ford doesn't. 
everything, the stars just seem to be aligning for General Motors. There's one significant knock, though, and I'm expecting you to bring it up, but that's the, that's the, share, that's the chart of the share price of the last five months. Rather tepid. Now, that's a setup. The stock's going one way or the other. Yeah, it's maybe going it's meaningfully tapped. up or it's going meaningfully down. Maybe it's, maybe it's, about, maybe it's about out of gas. I don't think so, though, because oh, here's why. Oh, oh. You've got demand for autos. You, I don't think we're at peak autos, not, you know, one year into an economic expansion, not with the accommodative Fed, stimulative uh, fiscal government. I just don't buy that. You've got pent up demand that hasn't been met. I went to my GM uh, supply uh, dealer a few months ago looking for a new Tahoe. I'm friends with Jared, the sales manager. He looked at me. I looked at him. We both said this is not the time. There's nothing here and I can't give you a price break on it. But now they're getting cars in. They're not giving price breaks. Used car sales are high. Excuse me. Used car prices are high, which helps their uh, captive finance arm. I would really be shocked if earnings don't propel this to a higher level. Look, I, I know I said that earlier, but this one, I would be shocked if earnings don't propel this to a higher level, Scott. Okay, n- nice shout out to your sales manager, Jared. We appreciate that. Uh, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. Might get a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're looking for a deal. That's what you do. I know exactly what you're doing. Kevin O'Leary. General Motors and Tesla, right? You own both? I do. What's, I what's, do. The, what's the better stock for the here and now? Forget, forget where I, they've come from. Let's, let's talk about where they're going from here. Which has greater upside it, between now and let's just say over the next six months? I'm going to have to go with Farmer Jim on this, and I'll tell you why. I think what we're going to get as people start to think EV with General Motors, battery technology, uh, new, new offerings that are going to be competitive with Tesla, we're going to get some P expansion on the stock. It's, it's been in the doldrums, I agree. But the company is making a transition. It's going from old dyno car manufacturer. And I'll tell you why I look at the, the index I watch are graduating electrical engineers. They all want to go work at Tesla, number one choice. That's still the case. But number two is now General Motors. The team inside there on battery, on technology, on you know, automotive, you know, autonomous driving is very, very strong within the engineering community. So they're, they're attracting talent. But I also want to do a shout out for Ford, and I want to do the same trick Jimmy just did over there. I am begging Ford to sell me an electric 150. I'm on my knees. I don't want it free. I even called my agent at UTA and said, tell them I'll be an influencer. Tell them I'll review it. I want to buy it at full retail. Can't even get near it. The demand is insane for the electric 150. And if you're listening out there at any Ford executives, give Mr. Wonderful a 150. He'll even pay you for it. I want it that badly. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. I've got Costco on my list. I've got Visa on my list. We're going to talk about those later in the show. We have more trades coming up, including John's latest moves in unusual activity. More on the half is next. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Okay, Dr. J. Friday edition of Unusual Activity. What do you have for us? Well, Scott, a big engineering company uh, that's involved in construction, uh, S&P 500, as well as, of course, um, the Fortune 500, and that's Floor, F-L-R. 
Uh, this one, we see unusual option activity just above where the stock was trading. It was about $16.90, Scott. They were buying the August 1750 calls. I believe earnings have been declared for the 6th of uh, August. So this would encompass those earnings. I like the activity in the stock today as well as these options, and I'll probably be in them about three weeks. Second one, a little bit of a longer trade. This one's IGT. Uh, whether it's uh, lottery systems or gaming, IGT is one of the premier companies in the space. Uh, stock was $23 this morning. They were buying those October 24 calls, so much further out into the future. I'll probably hold those in the neighborhood of two to three months, and I do love the upside play here on reopening, something that Tom Lee talks about all the time, and Vegas is going to be back bigger and better, Scott. Yeah. You have an update, too, Doc, on uh, Oracle, which I think we talked about, uh, if not yesterday, sure. the day before? Yeah, we did both. Uh, I talked about it for unusual activity on Wednesday, and then Pete mentioned it again yesterday. After it popped and pulled back, well, he's dead on because stock hits 88 and change today. Uh, it was 84.14, I think, on Tuesday or Wednesday, rather, when we spoke of it. So, yeah, took a lot of profits out of this one, Scott, and uh, grateful for that. I know Pete has longer term positions, so he's still in it. Okay, good stuff. Thanks for the update there, Doc. Appreciate that. Ask Halftime's coming up next. You can send your questions by video. We'll play them on the air. Email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com. We'll be right back. It is time to answer your questions now. Jim, we begin with a video question for you. This is a video question from an anonymous viewer in New Jersey for Farmer Jim. I recently added to the Boeing position that you put me in, uh, trying to recover from the massive losses. So could you share with me your price target and the time frame for getting me out of this uh, massive hole? Uh, or should I just follow uh, Mr. Weiss, the, the savant, and buy Moderna? Thank you. Oh, it's a good question. It looked a little like Weiss. I, I don't know. What, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't get to see the video. Was that in silhouette with a voice coder going on? <laughs> um, boy, I don't get a day off from that guy. Uh, look, no, but let's be serious. Let's be serious. Newsflow came out last night that China's looking to get certification flights going. That's a big deal. That is the next catalyst. If you get China reapproving the 737 MAX, that's a very big deal. And right now, that puts a bid under the stock. Beyond that, look, you've got orders for 737 MAX coming in. You've got deliveries going up. This is not a near-term earnings story. This is an order flow story. And if you want the next catalyst after China, which is a very big deal, the next catalyst is the 777X getting on track with some orders itself. That's probably not going to happen until the very end of this year, maybe early next year. So focus on what China's doing. If they start letting the 737 MAX fly, that's a big deal. <laughs> okay, thank you. thank you for that, Jim. We appreciate that. Degas, uh, to you from Duane in Ohio, uh, when do we believe 5G is going to take hold on the market? And where can an investor get in for the long term? What do you think? So I'm going to give you two options here. One is Verizon. It's benefited from the expansion of 5G. Plus, you give a dividend yield of 4.5. The second one is Quantized Services. 
because they provide the contracting services to lay the transmission lines for 5G. So those are two places you can look into. Okay. Uh, next up to you, Shannon. Uh, it's from Karen in Portsmouth, Virginia. What's the future for IBM after it splits off into two companies? Well, thanks for the question, Karen. And so IBM is going to spin off its managed infrastructure business into a company called Kindrill later this year. But this is really consistent with what IBM is trying to do, focusing on new markets and the cloud, particularly AI. And most importantly, given the news last week, the integration of Red Hat. So we think this is a good move by IBM's management team in order to focus on the areas of growth for the business. Okay, Kevin O'Leary, Randy in Montana. I've owned the DocuSign for 10 months. Should I be happy with the recent increase and take some profits given the scary high forward PE? What do you, what do you think here? Well, full disclosure, I was on the advisory board of this company. It was private. I owned shares when it was private. I held on to my stock right through the piece. This is an infrastructure play, and the way I put, point this out to people, many people don't understand about DocuSign is they build nexuses where servers are in independent countries. So if you're servicing the Canadian banking industry, your servers are there. If you're servicing CEOs in Ireland, the servers are there. Same for England, same for Switzerland. This company understands financial services, which is really the customer base. It's going to continue to grow. It's an infrastructure play. I'd stay long this name. I know you have to hold your nose on the PE, but look at the growth and look at the earnings. Wow. So you've been in since it was private and you haven't sold any? Oh, I've traded the stock, but I've always had a core position. When it gets past 5%, Scotty, I got a trim. Oh, I hear you, man. I mean, it's just I'm saying, wow, it's almost 300 bucks. It's good for you. Thank you. Dinner's on you next time. All right, Dr. J, uh, lastly to you from Chidi in Europe. I bought Airbnb at 200 bucks. Should I sell, hold, or buy more at this point? Wow. Well, uh, congratulations on being an owner, but uh, that, that timing of that purchase over 200 was pretty rough. Delta variant is why this one struggled, Scott, because it's tough to get people back into those homes as well as hotels when you've got something like that out there. This is a great hold at this level, I believe, and I think Airbnb does move back towards where she got in, uh, but it's going to take a you know, probably several quarters for it to get there. Scott. Okay, good day for uh, Airbnb. Doc, thank you. Stock's up nearly uh, 5% or at least approaching that. All right, I mentioned those calls on Costco hitting new highs today. What do you do from here? We'll debate that because Shannon owns it, Degas owns it, Kevin O'Leary owns it. There's a new call on Visa as well, which Shannon owns. There's more ownership on that, and we'll give you those trades too next. All right, we're back. Let's talk about that Costco call. You see the stock right there. That's a new high, uh, all-time high, actually, trading all the way back to the IPO in 85. Bank of America reiterates the buy. They don't take the price target higher, so they keep 435. Shannon, you own it. Stay with it. Take some profits. How do we see a stock like this right here now, right now? I think Costco got a lot of new buyers and investors last year as it was seen as a place that you could go to get all the things that we needed. Um, but the great thing about Costco is that you sign up and you have a subscription and their termination rate is very low. So as we move into reopening, there's no reason to think that this that st- this stock can't continue to, to perform well. The comps may be a little bit challenging. Josh mentioned this earlier this week, just given what we've seen um, year over year comps look like. But I think that this is a great way to play big box retail. It's very sustainable. Uh, and so I love the stock. Okay. Degas, you own it as well. Uh, it's obviously a reopening play. You say a great example of, but again, I, I point to 
you know, where the stock has come from to where it is now. What do you do? With this stock, you hold it. And because it has the reopen play. But if you go back uh, this past weekend if, uh, for the 4th of July, if you went into a Costco, it was packed with people buying bulk items. As Shannon was talking about, this is a place where I see continued growth. As the economy reopens, people are going to want to get together. And this store is great if you've ever been into the warehouse. So this is a warehouse leader, and we like it. Okay. Visa reiterated top pick at Oppenheimer. Uh, price target goes to 281 from 260, a 17% upside. Kevin O'Leary, you own Visa. Have for years. I consider it financial infrastructure. I'd rather own Visa than a money center bank. Not so interest rate sensitive. A really big play on global expansion, interactive payment systems, cross borders. It has everything. And also really good executional excellence at the managerial level. They're killing it. It's, it's a really good name to own long term. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. Get to our final trades in just a moment, but we are getting word from the White House now of a phone call between President Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin. Among the topics the two leaders discussed, the ongoing ransomware attacks. This is the official readout from the White House where they say President Biden has underscored the need for Russia to take action to disrupt ransomware groups operating in Russia and emphasize that he is committed to continued engagement on the broader threat posed by ransomware. President uh, Biden reiterated that the United States will take any necessary action to defend its people and its critical infrastructure in the face of this continuing challenge. That's the official readout from the White House of a call between President Biden and Russia's uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, do not miss, by the way, CNBC's new primetime series, Money Court. That's with Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary. It premieres this uh, Wednesday, August 11th at 10 p.m. Eastern right here on CNBC. We're excited about that. All right, let's do final trades before we go for the weekend. John Najarian, you have a new buy. I do. Uh, XOP, Scott. I bought the stock. This is the exploration for oil and gas ETF, the spider. Okay. Uh, Mr. Wonderful, excited about your new show. Happy birthday again. What's your final Thank trade? Thank you. A vintage wine estates recently went public as a SPAC. This is a consolidated the American wine industry, 3,000 acres under management, and... 97% of wine in America is sold for under $14 a bottle. These guys can ship millions of cases to customers like Target and Costco, et cetera. I like it long term. All right. Cheers to you. All right. We've got to be quick, guys. Uh, John Najarian. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Farmer Jim. Qualcomm. Next oh, one good. to break out. All right. Degas. Corsite owns the data centers. 4% dividend yield. Shan, quick. Salesforce. All right. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. 
It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.